Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Open Africa podcast. My name is Furo and I have with me Naolu. Nessa. Fantastic. On this episode, we will be sharing a lot of knowledge around the payment ecosystem and players, fees, and other interesting facts. Because clearly, many people don't have context about what's going on in that industry and they're always swayed by what they see people announce. So, yeah, it would be good for us to take that apart a bit. Yes. So, I guess you might be wondering what triggered this. I think it's the announcements by Ope, um, Paga. Paga, a number of ecosystem players, yeah, around their performance. And just thought, you know what, it would be good for people to know a bit more. So, looking at the payments ecosystem, like, broadly, right, there are three key players for any type of payment. Right, there's the issuing bank, so the bank that uh, issues the card that the customer will use to conduct whatever transaction, or the app that the customer will use to make their transaction. And there's the acquiring bank, basically the bank that's receiving value, right? And then there's an authorization mechanism, so be that a payment gateway, payment processor, there's a middleman somewhere in there. Correct. Okay, now if you want to go into a bit more detail, obviously. In the ecosystem, you have the customer who's like the cardholder or account holder that is trying to make a transaction, right? And they're typically at a merchant location. So um, it could be physical or a virtual merchant. So physical merchant would be you're in your shop and you're trying to pay with your debit card or credit card. Um, and then you can be, I don't know, um, making a transaction online and then you want to pay by transfer right mm-hmm. um and then you have the payment gateway and payment processor in there so your payment gateway basically routes all the information the card yeah information. card information to the yeah to the processor and um, processor submits the authorization request to the card network it sounds long yes it's starting to sound long yes but i think perhaps a more useful way to or an easier way to understand this would be to walk through like a real life scenario okay right no sir yeah okay so what type of payment do you want to talk like let's 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 try regular pos payment so it's regular pos payment yeah so when you put your card in pos yeah the blah 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 pos sends a message to the bank that owns the card the bank that owns the card is basically checking if this person has money and if this person was so called, if, if the card is valid, there's no PND. Yeah. Blah, blah, PND this person, stands for post no debit. The person is allowed to. The person is allowed to make the payment. Correct. So the the, the bank says yes. Go ahead. Um, give the person value. So sends that message to the POS. So the POS charges the card, and the POS now gives it to the person that owns the POS. That's the acquirer, the bank. So, in this thing, the, the, the middleman here is the guy that provides the POS, not necessarily the bank, but like the PTSP in this in this instance. The main terminal service provider. So, the, yeah, the terminal provider, um, the person that owns the card scheme. So Visa or Visa Mastercard. MasterCard or and. The switch and the switch the person who basically switches the transaction so enter switch or express payments 
or any of those guys. Of those so those guys. are the three middlemen that facilitate the communication between the issuing bank and the acquiring bank. So that's the bank with where the payment is. Where the customer's card is. Yeah. So yeah. the person that's controlling the payment and the person that's receiving, receiving the payment. It. The acquirer is the acquirer is the person that is receiving the payments. Now for a web payment, those middlemen change a bit. That's where you have the payment gateway. So pay stack, flutter. Yeah. And those routes transactions to a payment processor. And the payment processor is the one that has that engagement with your bank and all that kind of stuff. And your card network and all and all of that. And sets and goes to like the destination. Yeah. So the same so it's basically those those group that that group of middlemen regardless of transaction there's always a group of middlemen because there's really direct connections now people have found ways around this to be fair so yeah. there's something flutterwave does called the direct card charge where if flutterwave knows say flutterwave and gtb have an agreement whenever a gtb card comes on your stuff don't route it through the middleman just come to me directly so Flutterwave will, instead of going through the normal thing, Flutterwave will go directly to GTB via like an API integration, blah, blah, blah. I say, yeah. GTB, this is your customer, wants to pay this thing, should we charge? GTB says yes. Yeah. And GTB now gives, Flutterwave now gives value to the person. So the reason why they will do this is because for everybody that is in that value chain, they shared, they shared the money. So if, if you do... If you do like a card payment first, your bank, the issuing bank, will take their cuts. It's like an interchange. Then the guy that's routing the comms between the issuing bank and the acquiring bank will take their own cuts. Yeah. Then the acquiring bank too will take their own cuts for allowing their merchant to accept money. Yeah. Then the merchant gets what is left. So that's why if you if you are a business person and you've done like POS payments, when your settlement comes in T plus one. It's always like for 10k will come as like 9,800 or something. T plus one, by the way, means next day. It means like time plus one day. Yeah, so typically POS transactions settle the next day, day after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so the yeah. money will hit your account the next day. So it's a, this explains why um, some if you go to some supermarkets or some places, they'll tell you they would rather do cash or transfer, transfer. over POS, POS because they need that money now instead of next day especially for businesses that have like really small margins and rely on volumes to be profitable pos is typically not a good product for them for them to use well very interesting what you said about the direct card charge it means in at least theoretically especially if you have something like open banking where there are like api standards for like integrations Mm -hmm. and whatnot realistically banks could sidestep yeah all them switches so, and all those yeah guys. so the thing is that banks can sidestep it but it requires like an individual what's it called individual integration with each person yeah, yeah like a direct connection that. with each person that was what i was saying like and, the api standards yeah. like for integrations it will be a much easier it will be a much easier integration but you still have to do the integration with and every is single is person is it one time thing uh, but because the thing, t- typical banks are not really tech first. Like they are not tech driven. 
But if the if money it, makes it, sense, if the money makes sense, if the potential revenue to be earned from doing this makes sense, they will prioritize it, it. It makes sense, but it is not. It is not. They don't see it as their core business. Fair enough. Fair and enough. for them is is not what's so called. Because banks to be so banks banks to be fair, processing like facilitating payments. It's not really what they're interested in. The mm-hmm. typical bank. The typical bank, traditional banks want to lend. That is where yeah. they make their and money. Sit on float. So all these that's why if you look at e-payment as a percentage of their overall revenue, e-payments are very small relative to what they make from lending. So if Correct. you are if you are a bank executive with that mindset, this is not a big deal with for me. I can just well, share I, that money. But if you are a tech driven business mm-hmm. you want to do those integrations but the thing for me is i feel like margins in this sector are thinning out and yeah. if you're cutting out all these middleman payments then it helps your case a bit so it's definitely something that if they look deeply enough if they look deeply enough they'll do it yeah because if they look deeply enough more banks would nibs will not exist yeah like, but the thing is that nibs is a this is property of all banks. Is it, to be exactly, so I guess they, they, are, they are compromising that yeah. in that regard. Yeah, I think the the industry requires everybody to play along and play nice with each other. And Nibs, sorry, is Nigeria Interbank Settlement System. So basically, they process most of transactions. Yeah. Also, I saw somebody arguing over. There were my mentions arguing over who owns Nibs and whatnot. So. Nibs is supposed to be um, the product of all the banks in Nigeria plus the CBN setting up a company to facilitate payments and financial inclusion and all that good stuff. Um, But it may be more useful to consider them the, in terms of understanding what it is that they do, it may be more useful to consider them as like the technology arm of the CBN, and then yeah. you have bank um, execs sitting on the board. So every bank or some banks have one representative that sits on the um, NIBS board. So for it might be your MD that that is sitting on the board, and then there will be a chairman that is you know elected. Is he elected or chosen? Oh, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, needs is like the technology arm of the central bank. Small banks like us, we don't pass. We are not members of like that. Yeah, but they like they, you guys. They don't invite us there. But they like you guys. Soon, don't worry. Inshallah, they will give us seats. Soon. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, so back to the whole payment ecosystem. Now, looking at the different players in a bit more detail, right? Um. Uh, there are a couple of licenses that typically are required if you're going to play, especially in the Nigerian ecosystem, right? So, for instance, there's the PTSP license, which is Payment Terminal Service Provider, which we sort of already spoke to. And those are people that essentially issue the POSs, right? Yeah, in so they do the software. The yeah, they do the software on the POSs. So, like ITEX, Global Accelerex. Express Pay, not a PTSP. 
I've not seen the appearance before. I have. But those are yeah. the ones I've seen. Itex and Global Accelerus. Accelerex are usually the big ones. I've seen Ex- Express Pay. They have a bunch of licenses. I don't know a if you recall. A whole bunch of licenses. Yeah, they have a crap ton of, of licenses, which is why they can play as Switch and play as um, Terminal Service Provider. Yeah. And then we have the PSSP, so Payment Solution Service Providers. Now, who would fall in that category? Paystack. Okay. So, Payment Gateways, Paystack, Flutterwave. Um, it's a very, it's a very broad license. Yeah. Because it's supposed to nab everybody that does not fit under their that thing. So, look at something like say Monify. Mm-hmm. Monify does direct debits more or less I mean, it's like a bank transfer but they provide a payment service like a payment solution so cbn nabs them under that license <laughs> so, CBN nabs why, them. Why nabs? <laughs> so there's, there's this fintech called the pair and they facilitate like payment called? the pair it's like they are very new they have, their vision is to facilitate payments between different yeah, fintechs yeah. like Different fintechs like Piggyverse can transfer to CarryWise. Yeah. CarryWise can transfer to Barter. Why? Eventually, when CBN finds out, CBN is going to have them get a payment service provider, PSSP license, because it's a, it's a payment solution they are doing. Yeah. Another misconception that I've seen is people assuming PSP to be a license category. It's really not. PSP stands for payment service provider and it just refers to a bunch of different licenses so your ptsp mmo pssp licenses are they all sit under that umbrella psp um so term cbn is actually given a license for that thing i think it's, it's, it's pss there's something that bundles PSSP, PTSP, and one other one. the previous structure when they had one super license thingy? No, it's, it's still there. The Before super they... license is there. Then you can break up that super license yeah, into smaller licenses. Yeah, because there was a time they deconstructed it and then we started having MMO and all the additional ones. Yeah. Yeah, so there's still... I mean, there are a couple of other licenses. Super agents. Yeah. Super agents who are basically... So super agents are basically people that are licensed to offer agency, agency services. Yeah. yeah, and like do last mile banking. So they don't hold any balances, but they facilitate banks yeah. financial um, inclusion in the nether regions, the further regions of this country. Yeah. So that's where Kudi will enter. Ope has this has license to um money point yeah boxy box those didn't flutter wave have an agent business at some point i think they do they were well, super agents i think they flutter wave has plenty of they've tried many things they've tried many in fairness to them yeah. they have tried many many they're, things. they're a big business they have many licenses and they can do many things yeah so what most people do i mean once you have money you can afford it you just get a or a bunch of licenses and you can use those to build out build out like unique unique user journeys exactly and not be violating and you can just say oh my bdc license is the one that's doing this yeah my imto license is the one that's doing this 
my PSSP license is the one that's doing this. Wait, wait, but it's one down. user Because I just realized that we're rolling out a bunch of abbreviations. Again. Okay, BDC is Bureau de Change. That's yeah. the one that allows you change money. Yeah. IMTO is International, International Money, money Transfer. Organization. So IMTO is the one that lets you do cross border. You want to send dollar to somebody in the US. So BDC. if you say I'm building a solution that lets Nigerians buy dollar and send it and use that dollar and send it abroad, for instance. You can now say, oh, it's my BDC license that is allowing the conversion of that dollar. And it's my IMTO license that is allowing the, the, the of movement that of that dollar. To be fair, that BDC license, yeah, is it not to sell PTA? Yeah. It is, but, <laughs> but the license is basically you're allowed to source for FX and change money on behalf of people. So if you bought your PTA and you wanted to move it somewhere, or if you bought, or if you have Form A or Form M, and you need to make the payment or something or whatever form a is the is the form you fail to do invisible like if you're paying for services not physical objects and you're sourcing usd from the nigerian government say you want to pay for school fees or a mortgage or something you fill out a form a form m is the same as form m from a but for physical tangibles that you're going to bring in through a port whether an airport or a seaport if you are bringing anything into nigeria you fill out a form M as part of your docu- documentary requirements yes so this episode is sounding very technical they should take notes i mean you the, have to take notes the, the business is very technical yeah, this yeah, yeah. this is the part that people don't really see unless you scroll down to the disclosure side of every website mm-hmm. correct and which explains the dynamics because the thing is ultimately users don't really care about these things they just want a user journey but for you to do certain things you need, you need to have the licenses to do certain things. So, I'm one of the user requests for for what's it called for Kuda now. Like I get is like, oh, I want to open dollar accounts. I want to hold dollar, and it's like, my license does not allow me hold dollar. So I can't just <laughs> wake up. I can't just wake up and give you a dollar. Being in violation. Yeah. So for me to get a give you dollar to hold like dollar position. I need to get a commercial bank license. Well, to be fair, you guys have raised more than your. I know, I know, but that's that's what I'm saying. But like that is is a different license. It's not as simple as switching on the switch, yeah. and dollar appears. But that's the thing. I think for most users, it's Kuda Bank. Yeah, a bank. I want to hold dollar. Bank bank level. Bank level. <laughs> bank level. Bank level. It's like someone asked me why can't Kuda Bank have billboard in Onicha. I can't have a billboard outside because Lagos. Because you have a unity at one license. Yeah. Which only allows you to operate within a specific area. Yeah. So, this is the context that many people don't have. And look, understanding the technology is one thing. Is one thing. Understanding the regulatory playground is another thing entirely. And it's very easy to flout regulations, especially if you're not paying attention which is why these people were in trouble which um that they were crying out every day on social media what's their name again yeah which one rubies uh, those guys that <laughs> so i think when when building when building like a financial services product uh, for banks so banks are def- like the traditional companies are defined by their licenses the license they got is what they are a bank if they got a commercial bank license it's commercial bank they are doing mm-hmm. yeah. but 
as things have evolved and people are moving away from licenses defining who you are to building solutions for users then licenses just get abstracted away licenses are just a means to an end so you start with what am i trying to do for my user what do i need to have to do this thing for my user and then you get the license to support it it. people just try building things and realizing they don't have the license for it as like oh i mean there's also disease of doing business in this country but they have but they are also very valid you don't have the license you cannot just wake up one day and say i want to process payments yeah and be processing payments on your j's because you learned how to write three lines of code yeah what happened when money miss correct who do you hold yeah sorry to interrupt because i also realized that we mentioned mmo um and mmo stands for mobile money operator Operator. um so who would be an example of an mmo paga paga is an mmo wallets should be an mmo i don't know if that's what they have or if they have mfp but paga is an mmo um stand big at ease is an mmo go money uses an mmo license go money is sterling bank sterling. so they use that sterling bank's mobile money play um to be fair this is also one of the most expensive of the yeah. psp licenses to get because you need a capital requirement of about two billion naira to run an so MMO for me i feel like mmo is is the dumbest license because it lets you do agency banking. It let right? it lets you do things, eh? But an MMO license would have been ideal if they let telcos play earlier. It lets you do USD too, right? Sorry to cut you off. Mm? No. MMO, mm. I'm not sure. Because Go Money has, or maybe they are leveraging their. Go, so Go Money, yeah, Go Money uses sterling to do USD. They do, you don't have USD now. It's still a naira card. Are you sure you can't get a USD virtual on Go Money? We can't have a USD position on Go Money. You have a naira position, and you are subject to Sterling Bank's FX limits because Sterling Bank is the card issuer for Go Money. For Go Money, okay, fair enough. So, I mean, back to our list of licenses, and um, there's the switching and processing license, which we didn't cover earlier. InterSwitch. <laughs> InterSwitch. I mean, it's right there in your name. E-Transact too. Uh, express payment charms 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 is there too it's going to be unified payments unified payments is there too yeah but you see the thing is that they they all have like a bunch of licenses so you cannot say but they're not doing it they're not lots others aren't like charms charms has almost all the licenses and what are they doing what are exactly there's all see and again i think that was what you were referring to when you know some people are defined by licenses and then some people are defined by the user journey and then get the licenses for some of them they have those licenses but they haven't figured out what their user journey is yes there is no user journey powering it so like interswitch they say oh we want to do this business you are getting this license we want to do this business. We are getting that license, so I they have. So they ha- so they have like a super agent license. And it's like because InterSwitch is also an agency banking business. Correct. But I haven't seen InterSwitch leverage everything to do one workflow, which is what Flutterwave tries to do with Bata. I think Bata is like a very good example of them 
using multiple licenses on a single product to do different things. They have an MMO license. Mm-hmm. InterSwitch. InterSwitch. Yeah, I'm asking. They should. So, I guess, but there's a USD barter card now. How do they do that? What USD barter card. Ah. What license are they using to do that one? I'll have to tell you this one offline. In case, ah, fantastic. in case, ops, in case somebody is listening, in case of Olalu, you can bleep this part out. <laughs> Don't bleep it, or let's have it offline. We can have I this. Co- we can have this conversation <laughs> offline. But yeah, okay. And I think the final license is. I think we've gone through all of them, to be honest. PSS. Did we talk about okay. PSS? PSS license. So that's like PSS is the one. I think PSS is the one that has PTSP, PSSP inside. And it's it's more expensive than the other ones because it's like two fifty like, m capital requirement. Though. Is it really that expensive? It's, it's more expensive than PTSP. PTSP What's PTSP? Hundred million. million. Mm. PTSP is hundred million. PSSP is hundred million. Yeah. So to get the two of them together. Yeah, rather than doing standalone applications, you just do one big application for PSS. Mm. And have we talked about the super agent license? Yes, we did. The super yeah. Agent. So Kudi, Kudi is Kudi one. And okay, so I guess this then, if we can circle back a bit, right? Because this is another thing that I know that a couple of guys on my timeline at least have been confused about. When fintechs come out to say we processed five or $2 billion worth of transactions or worth of payments mm-hmm. in the month of June. And we hold 50% of the market. The question is, what is the constitution of, of those, transactions. those transactions? It's a vanity metric. <laughs> it's a vanity metric. You don't see banks announcing we do we process social and social payments. It's a vanity, there's a vanity signaling metric. Mm. So in that transactions processed, including transfers you received, transfers you sent, (laughs) transfers within your your ecosystem, payments, airtime payments, bill payments. If you do savings, you include savings. If you do um or like okay if you do all right you include all right <laughs> if you do food delivery you include food delivery it's a very it, it's transactions process is very liberal it yeah. means yeah any money that i facilitated the movement of whether it's moving out or moving in the i thing, processed it the thing for me so yeah. it, like that same issue acquire thing Issue I'll count it as a transaction they processed. Yeah, acquire account. Acquire account as a transaction they processed. The middleman too will count it as a transaction they processed. So that explains why they can make very outlandish claims about the size of their markets, cause and why analysts too, at least um, guys that run that write tech publications, sometimes mix it up. Because even you had to give me that context today, because I was looking at NIP numbers and saying, look, even for NIP alone. You know, this all these numbers are not they are not that significant. And then you then had to break it down to me like look, these guys are adding a bunch of different transactions, and not even all transactions go through NIP. NIP. Like some banks use e-transact and they don't use NIP. And even within NIBs, 
not all the transactions are NIP transactions. Some transactions are RCGS, some are so NEFT. Just pause. What is NIP? NIP instant payments. Instant payments. payments. RTGS. RTGS is real time gross settlements. Should I explain it? Yes. So if you are moving like really large sums of money, 200 million. Try 2 billion. Because <laughs> I think, okay, NIP, NIP can do large values, but because of the risk, yeah. I, I, and banks don't like to route. Um, some payments through NIP, but typically, if it's small figures and a few beneficiaries, you can do NIP. But RCGS is when you are moving like really large sums of money. Um, you want to use real-time gross settlements. Um, NEFT is NIBS Electronic Fund Transfer. It's not instant. Um, is next day settlement. Actually, now that you say it, that makes sense. RTGS used to move billions. NEFT is usually for like hundreds of millions because salary, because yeah, next day payment is yeah. usually NEFT. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's a risk thing because so you can get same day settlements with NEFT. You just have to do the transaction early in the morning because they process those transactions in two sessions: one in the morning, one in the afternoon. If you miss the first session and you process it with the second session of NEFT, that's when the value is next day. But if, if you do the first session before end of day, the person will get value. And that gives um, processors time to react. So you do a payment and then people start screaming, oh, it's a fraudster that did this. You can get in touch with needs to say, oh, Stop there is a payment, payment that is yeah, yeah. terminated, you know. So, so I think yeah. for NIP for the cap is like 25 or busy 50 m i hear that that cap is a function of the risk, risk the bank is willing, the bank to, take, is willing to, take to take that realistically you could move a hundred million with nip mm. because and and that makes sense because what is nip if not needs telling you telling needs how much to debit from your position with them and credit somebody else as long as you have money in your position to handle the volume, the volume yeah. or the value in this case you should realistically be able yeah. to use it. So, like for something like also called, if you're a big corporate, like who makes like Tolaram or something? Tolaram is Tolaram is not logging into internet banking to move their money. Yeah. So Tolaram is sending an instruction, and that's depending on the size or on the volume. Is it that NEFT or is oh it RTGS? God. This actually just takes me back to my days in treasury. It takes me back to my days <sighs> in commercial banking. It was a horrible time because. Sometimes you send an instruction to the processing team that your client has given to you, but because the instruction didn't come, like the client didn't walk into the banking hall to submit it himself, it's coming through a relationship manager. They route it through NEFT. And so it's going into next day settlement because in their minds, it's not the customer that brought this thing. It's the customer, because there's a debit that happens first with NEFT. So you will have seen the debits, right? And that then gives you the time to come and say, oh, I didn't authorize this payment. So they are looking at it from a risk perspective and then they do it via NEFT. Meanwhile, the clients might have, you know, people Urgent in, obligations. <laughs> waiting inside his office and then the money is just there hanging. And they're like, they've not seen it. Because the NIP is near real time, mm-hmm. you know, and problem, you then have to start begging. Oh yeah, terminate the transaction. Let's route it through NIP. Fun days, in retrospect, I think for me it was more like 
we already know your position from what the traders have done because i was doing the creative management and then you have some clients that just come and say last minute they're moving millions hundreds of millions and then you're looking at your books you've already placed all your money overnight with everybody and you don't have funds <laughs> you don't have funds to move that money like yeah operations payment operations it's a it's a big thing and i'm sure nosa is experiencing it firsthand now running the yeah good business yeah yeah payment I mean, ops is a real thing you, you have to you have to manage even with news there's you have to manage your balance of payment with news yeah. Like your outward cannot exceed your inward, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You always have to juggle it. And then you still have to juggle your position on CDN as well, day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we we also had a look at NIP numbers in in Nigeria for 2021, January to May. We in Nigeria we averaged about 40 billion dollars a month in nip payments mm-hmm. that's 40 billion yeah nip alone yeah so, so this is excluding all the other ones <laughs> yeah okay and this market is big it's a big market the payments market no it's a wide market there's a lot of volume in it but i think there's even still space for for more when you say 40 billion dollars on the average a month the total value of transactions processed okay you know what what you just said actually just gave me an idea and it's a bit this is a bit of a i'm going sidebar. yeah a sidebar if when you look at nip neft and rtgs you understand a lot of banks are optimized for large corporates mm-hmm. yes. and not for retail and that's why people have problems with banks because you have payment processing teams to process payment of maybe like 10 clients because only 10 clients can do it and all these oh you have to log in morning batch you have to log in evening batch there's a big it's going to be hard for you to capture but there's a big opportunity if you wanted to automate that process and replace those processing teams with robots robots or lines of code that's actually that's actually a real thing and I know some banks. I know at least two banks that are doing it. And I know the way this industry is. Once one person starts doing it, other people. Automation is a real thing. Like many banks, at least four that I know of, your reversals, login, because you know when payments miss mm-hmm. in between NIBs and the mm-hmm. receiving bank. It's not easy for banks to process reversals because they need to check with needs and they need to log the details. The logging of those details, I know about four Nigerian banks right now that everything is automated. It's bots that are running that service. So it's only a matter of time. Because you can trust Nigerian banks that if it's optimizing to save costs, (laughs) they'll do it. They'll do it. But you see that exploratory stuff, how do we make people happier? That was, that was your business. Because the things that they don't they don't make as much money from because you see retail? Like, like Kuda's thing is free free banking and retail and people are like, oh wow, this is a great thing and people are flocking. But to do an RTGS payment, there's no even the charge is different. The charge is different. I think it's like 750 naira. So route it through RTGS. 
charge is different. In fact, there are some clients back in the days. If you have a really stingy client, you won't do RTGS because of that cost. If I say, why is the transaction cost seven fifty? Say, please just give him his left <laughs> or give him his NIP. But think about like a large corporate, someone that's trying to move two billion naira. That guy is no, he's not price sensitive on the fees. He understands it. Is it Nibs that runs RTGS? I'm not sure it's them. I think it might be CBN proper. Might be CBN proper that runs RTGS. That's why, at least for some banks, RTGS doesn't sit with their regular processing team. It will probably be like an offshoot of Treasury. As opposed to, they'll probably sit in like Treasury Ops, as opposed to, to regular, regular back office. Back office team. Because RTGS, if anything you miss, if anything you miss on RTGS, you explain to your regulator what it is that you are doing. When we had to send the money to CBN for FX, God, that year was strong year. We got a lot of free things, Shar, because every client was trying to motivate us to give them more FX. <laughs> Oh man, we have now totally signed. Yeah, so we have totally gone, gone off track, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So anyway, just to bring it back home, is I think so because I, I read a lot of all these tech articles and whenever someone announces their numbers, it's always like skepticism. It's like ah, but what is NIP doing? And my thing is, it's from not working in the industry. Yeah. You don't have that perspective of how these things work. And even when I worked in the traditional bank, even my perspective too was different versus what I know now in Kuda. From like, having to build out. From having to build things. out. So like for a tra- when I was in Kuda as a traditional bank, maybe I understood like compliance, I understood regulations, I understood how things worked as a function. But from working at Kuda, it's like, I can see the flexibility of how things work. I can see the compliance. It's not even I have to talk to a compliance officer. It's me. I have to talk to CBN and explain certain <laughs> things. So the perspective has also changed. Do you have significantly some sympathy for compliance officers now? No. Having to talk to the regulator. No, I don't have sympathy for compliance officers still. Exa- exactly. Still, because I feel. Yeah. Yeah, because there are things where funny how I've, we are in different places, but we are still beefing compliance. No, because there's some things where all you need to do is just properly explain. Yeah. I need to understand like the dynamics of the product. But the issues that compliance guys will never take time to understand. understand they're very. Thing that we are saying is an industry problem, and they're very. Di- they're very. They're very distant the from it. And MFBs. They will say, "Oh, let me sit with your team." Let and asset management firms too, because I I listened in on one conversation. One guy, one asset management firm was lamenting about his risk at compliance team. Because it's, it's always like they are very different dynamics, especially when it's a very complex thing. And the guy's like, "Ah, this looks like FX transaction." And I'm like, no, "No, no, wait first. Let's just look at the dynamics. Let's just look at how the money is moving." You have to explain. It's like, okay. Now, now that I've explained it, is there any law against this yet? Because even to ask, to go and ask CBN, like, to get a clarification. Because there are things you can do where you can, like, anonymously ask. 
like we can get like a law firm to do it just engage one and say this is what i'm trying to do just do anonymous question and cbn will give the lawyer i say no this is illegal blah 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 and the guy will come back to you say ah don't try it don't go there so there are things you can do but i feel like uh typical compliance guys like no 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 it's funny how it's an industry thing like across because i stand big Op- account opening when I when I did the online account opening at Stambic and I remember doing digital KYC yeah was such a big deal and I was like no they must come to the branch no they must give reference and it's like why why if you can verify you can do live video if you can get access to ID database confirm this guy is there you can do sanction screening there are guys with APIs for these things why do they have to come to the branch? But at the same time, too, I've also what I'm also seeing um, because of the role that I currently play in my organization, I'm also starting to see that the regulator's attitude to banks Differ. is very different, and I don't understand it. I'll have this chat with you offline. It's ridiculous to me. So, in some sense, I guess why the compliance guys are the way they are. But on the flip side, I also think they can do it a bit more still in engaging the regulator. This is a sidebar. We should probably just end this episode at this point. Yeah, we've tried. But yeah, this episode that looks like had no head or tail, but... No, it, it should have given someone clarity. At least there are some arguments I don't want to see on the timeline again. <laughs> I mean, you still see it, but I just won't be contributing to those arguments. It's just LOL you link, see link and give link to the episode. All right. All right. Until the next episode, thanks for listening. Goodbye.